This is a Career Channel program from UC San Diego Extension. Visit us at www.uctv.tv careers for videos, employment news, and trend articles to help recent college graduates and grads in career transition bridge to better employment. Welcome. Thank you so much for being here. My name is Jennifer Davies, and I'm the Assistant Dean of External Affairs at UC San Diego Extension. Um, Tonight, we're here to talk about San Diego's talent equation, where we look at the plus and the minuses of uh, the job landscape here in San Diego. And uh, to help us in that sort of discovery, we have Mark Cafferty, who is the President and CEO of the San Diego Regional Economic Development Corporation. He's a huge uh, leader in our community and uh, in our business community, and has a great great background in um, workforce development. So without further ado, I'll introduce Mark Cafferty so he can take you through a slide presentation of um, a recent study that the EDC did on uh, the, how San Diego's talent stacks up. So thank you so much. First of all, Jen, thank you. Um, Jen is a good friend of mine. So Jen is somebody who I've had an opportunity to work with a lot over the years in a lot of different roles. And Mary Walshock who is the Dean of Extension um, and the Vice Chancellor of UCSD, as most of you probably know, is a mentor of mine and somebody who we've worked with very closely in a lot of ways, including on the study that I'm going to spend a little bit of time on. So in about a minute, I'll tell you, uh, for in, in less than a minute, I'll tell you about the EDC and a little bit about me. Go to this study and why I think it's important for the discussion today. I'll try and do this in about 10 minutes or so. We'll take a few questions, and I think Josh, Jen, and I are going to have a little bit more of an open dialogue so that you don't just have one person talking at you um, all night here. But for those of you who aren't familiar with the EDC, the San Diego Regional Economic Development Corporation, uh, most regions in the country have lots of organizations whose focus is to promote economic development for that region. So if you're from the city of Boston or New York or Sacramento or you name it, there's usually an EDC, if not many, in that area. We are a bit unique in the sense that we are not a city entity or a county entity. We're not funded through a municipality, although we work very closely with all the municipalities in San Diego. We're actually funded by the private sector. So if you visited our website, what you'd see is there's about 166 investors in the EDC. They tend to be the biggest businesses in San Diego, or at least the biggest employers in San Diego. So you'll notice that all the major universities are investors of ours, Qualcomm, Sempra, all the big company names that you associate with San Diego, and then several from sectors that you might not be as familiar with. A lot of folks know that we have a large biotech sector in San Diego, but not a lot of folks know that we have a growing cybersecurity sector in San Diego. And I'll talk a little bit about those sectors tonight and what it means sort of for the landscape of jobs in San Diego. But our job is to really study the economy closely and then try to figure out where there's true economic growth. So if we're going to develop strategies to really promote San Diego and draw businesses in here or talk to folks about um, where talent is most needed in San Diego's economy as it grows, whether it's universities creating programs to produce that talent or whether it's people thinking of coming here from other places, we need to make sure that we're really pointing them in the directions of where there is job growth and where there's economic impact from those particular sectors. So I'll talk a little bit about that through the lens of how San Diego stacks up when it comes to talent versus the other major metros in the U.S. that people might think of when they think of strong economy or they think of a talented workforce. My background is actually in workforce development. So I spent about 20 years working and creating job training programs at all different levels, much of it geared towards disadvantaged communities, but also in partnership with the universities in San Diego and in Boston, where I'm from originally, which which were geared at getting people into next phases of employment as different sectors grew. And that kind of led me uh, on a career path to where I am today. 
But along the way, what you realize is when you're thinking about workforce development, it's a very bureaucratic term. A lot of folks kind of hear that and don't even quite know what it means. But when you talk to businesses today in San Diego across almost every sector, and you ask them about what their most critical need is, what they're focused on the most, um, almost all of them, first, second, or third in their priority list, will talk to you about talented. Do, do we have the talented workforce that we need to grow, to succeed? If it's a company that's in engineering, do we know the universities are producing the engineers that we need, and so on? So for San Diego to succeed, we know that there's a lot of other great U.S. metros and cities that people think of and equate with talented workforce. And so what we wanted to do was see where do we really stack up? Because sometimes people will say in San Diego, we just don't have the talent that the Bay Area has. We just don't have the talent that Boston and New York have. Well, you actually find out along the way is that's not true at all. But if it's a perception out there in the economic development world, it oftentimes becomes reality. So let me go through. I've got about 22 slides. I promise you I'm not going to talk to you about all 22. I'm going to kind of go through them pretty quickly here. Um, But just to give you an idea why talent is important, From an economic development perspective, um, and the one that probably matters the most, is the link between a skilled workforce and economic prosperity. When people are doing well, when they're creating their own businesses, when they're working in sectors that pay more, obviously the ability to create jobs and reinvest in a community is stronger. So anyone who does a job like mine anywhere in the country is probably going to be focusing on tech sectors, scientific sectors, sectors with strong entrepreneurship linked to them, because that's where you have the most economic advantage from the growth that may happen. When site selectors or an entire cadre of people out there across the country whose full-time job is to help businesses think about where to expand and grow or go next, and we call them site selectors in our world, those folks look an awful lot at talent measures these days as reasons why they would tell somebody to go to a particular area. And then also in San Diego and other places, critical for continuing to attract and grow an innovation economy. When you compare us to the 100 strongest metro economies in the U.S., San Diego looks pretty good overall when you look at certain measures. So our population with a bachelor's degree, actually 16th out of the 100 largest metro economies in the U.S., 21st when it comes to the number of people with advanced degrees, gets even better when you get into the higher level of those advanced degrees, 10th when it comes to population with a doctorate, and when it comes to STEM or science, technology, engineering, and math, we do quite well as well, 11th out of 100 sites across the country. But if you really drill into that a little bit further and you say, who are the 10 metros that San Diego competes with the most? If we lose a business, where might it go? If we're competing to bring a business here, what other major U.S. metros are we competing with? And again, if you, can, if you can't see it from there, the 10 that we chose for this particular study, um, and we took out L.A. and New York. So there would be 12 in here if you included L.A. and New York City, but the size of L.A. and New York City and Chicago, for that matter, is so much bigger that it skews the data a little bit. So we were at least trying to look at metros that, sizably speaking, were comparative to San Diego. So you have Baltimore and Boston and Pittsburgh, Austin, Denver, San Francisco and San Jose, not surprisingly, Seattle, Portland, and then San Diego. So you saw that we look really good when we compare ourselves to the 100 largest economies and metros. We don't stack up near as well when you look at these top 10 metros. So we see ourselves at the bottom of the top 10 when you look at these 10. So in the exact same categories, and I won't go through them again, or, or one's broken out a little bit more for um, age brackets that people tend to look at an awful lot these days to see what, what do you have for management talent, what do you have for millennial age talent. Um, we pretty much wind up eighth in all these particular areas when we compare ourselves to those cities that we just mentioned. So it gives us an idea that we have to be more competitive. And the only way we become more competitive is to make sure we're continuing to 
create programs in San Diego that help people get into these science, technology, engineering, and mathematics-related careers that are so critical to driving economic growth. So the good news in San Diego, when you look at the metropolitan statistic area of San Diego compared to the other metros across the country, we start to see that our degree holders are growing at a much faster pace than our non-degree holders. Um, and so that's, that's an important thing. Now, it doesn't mean we have more degree holders. It just means the percentage of them is growing at a faster pace. And that's critical when you start to say to folks, we have a talented workforce for your business to come to San Diego, to come to this region and grow, or if you're currently here, to grow and expand within the region. And as a result, as you look at this particular statistic, San Diego has the second highest growth in degree holders among those peers. So while overall our numbers don't look as impressive as we'd like them to among those 10 peer metros, when it comes to growth and potential, you start to see San Diego looking a little bit better. So here, in the change of population, 25 plus with a bachelor's degree, that population is growing at a higher rate in San Diego than it is elsewhere. And I'll explain a little bit about that in a moment as to why we think that is. The trend holds true across age groups. So this isn't something that's simply happening because we have more. We have an older generation of folks who are better educated or suddenly more educated. We have one demographic of people moving to the region. Holds up pretty well across all the age and demographic areas that we look at. So what do we attribute that to? What do we think are the three things that are driving that the most? Um, one is the increased talent development or education. If you look at the years that we're studying here, And if you think back in the throes of the recession years, there was an awful lot of focus on going back to school. There was an awful lot of focus on people getting another degree or another certification. So we've had a population of people locally in universities that have been focused on continuing education or lifelong learning. In San Diego, UCSD in particular has been an excellent example of that. You also have changing demographic trends. So you have aging cohorts, and those aging cohorts have a lot of educated folks in them who are staying here in San Diego. But another thing that we're seeing for the first time in a long time is the migration of educated people into San Diego in higher numbers. If we were doing this back in 2003, 2004, we actually were seeing um, a net loss in domestic migration to San Diego during those years. We oftentimes think of San Diego as a place where everyone comes from somewhere else. But we had the better part of a decade where we were actually starting, if it wasn't for immigration, If it wasn't for international immigration, our numbers were going down. But that has really changed over the past few years. We believe as San Diego's economy has recovered better from the recession, we've seen more educated and talented people wanting to come to the region. And I won't go too deeply into these next few, um, just to continue to say again, but these statistics hold up um, really well for us across particular age brackets and demographics. But here's a really interesting map to take a look at. Um, These are the places that we either have a net loss or a net increase in people, too, across the country. Um, So, again, probably hard for a few folks to see, so I'll try to explain it. The total in-migration in 2013-2014 was about 65,000 workers into the region. Um, The total out-migration, 54,799. So if you're looking up in red at a city like Austin, you're seeing that we lost more people to Austin than we gained from Austin. That doesn't sound great, because Austin is a place where businesses are growing. It's a place that people think of when they think of talented workforces. But they also think of New York and Boston that way. And so we see ourselves actually gaining workers from the Northeast. Maybe it's because the winters were horrible in 2013 and 2014, and that may have been a tremendous selling point. And as much as I say that tongue-in-cheek, that is a very real reason 
why people come to and stay in San Diego and decide to bring businesses here. You see folks in places where there's larger military populations, not surprisingly. But keep in mind, this is workers. This is not the number of active duty. But when you see a group from Pensacola coming to San Diego, that may be because there's defense contractors in this region that allow individuals who are trained in the military to then leave and come to a region like San Diego and do quite well in the defense contracting community. And you see that in other places close by, um, L.A., and um, San Francisco, I'll explain in a moment. But L.A., we've got a huge number of people who've moved down to San Diego from L.A. Um, not surprising, huge population up there, pretty expensive, actually even more expensive than San Diego. But you look at our losses to places like Riverside and Phoenix and other places around us where it's just the opposite. Those are places that are attracting talent now, and they're much less expensive to live than San Diego. So we're losing our fair share in the local neighborhood as we're gaining some as well. So it's a bit of a mixed bag for the region. So we've attracted more workforce uh, for international businesses, or we're an attractive workforce for international businesses for a couple of reasons where we rank high as well. So number three in the population of foreign-born workers. So um, not surprisingly, we sit right on the border. We have great proximity to Asia. Um, but we're starting to see more and more skilled and talented and trained um, international workers coming to San Diego and calling San Diego home. And we'll talk a bit about that in a moment through the lens of the tech sectors. Uh, very multilingual region as well. I think actually the City Heights, the zip code in and around City Heights, I think is second only to Queens in the United States for actually having the most languages spoken in one zip code. So uh, a lot of um, immigration of folks coming to San Diego and bringing with it a lot of language and culture that's beginning to kind of change the demographics. But also when it comes to the higher end of the workforce, you've probably heard, you've probably heard a lot during this presidential campaign about H-1B visas. And H-1B visas tend to be visas that are used a lot where you have higher tech and scientific workforces. So we don't have by far, we're not even close to having the highest number of H-1B visas. But 85% of our H-1B visas we have in this region are for uh, jobs in these STEM fields that we spoke about. So they tend to be individuals who are coming in and working in the higher tech sector and also in the jobs that contribute more to a local economy and lead to more entrepreneurship and growth. So San Diego's workforce uh, is more STEM-focused than in other places. I won't read to you every statistic, but this is an important one for someone like me to market to places around the globe to remind people that while San Diego might be second or third when it comes to biotechnology in the world, behind the Bay Area and Boston at any particular time, number one and two seem to flip, but we're number one by far undisputed when it comes to the mapping of the human genome, which really is the future of science. So the future of science is right here in San Diego, and it's not just one company. Illumina is a huge name in that space. But the biggest name in that space is a guy named Craig Venter, who's not very far from here either. He has the Venter Institute in San Diego. He's the individual who's responsible for mapping the human genome. He has a couple of for-profit companies that he's spun off. He has great partnerships with the university. And not too far up north from here in Carlsbad is a company called Thermo Fisher, who acquired Life Technologies, which was our biggest biotech company. So Thermo Fisher is an East Coast-based company that acquired a San Diego company. That doesn't sound great. It's actually been great for San Diego and for the region because Thermo Fisher has seen the scientific talent in San Diego as worth investing in, and they then want to wrap data around that. So they are a big data company. So they come in basically thinking that the future of curing diseases or preventing diseases and all the breakthroughs is going to come from data and analytics around the genome. And they're perfectly poised to do that. And so they've bought the scientific talent from a place like Life Technologies to create a company that can do both. And they really see themselves as a world beater in that space. 
So a few a last few things that I just kind of want to go through is um, there's a few other things that that make San Diego a great place for people to want to come to or stay. Um, and when you look at this, the firms enjoy a lower turnover rate in the STEM fields in San Diego than they do elsewhere. And this is interesting because if you talk to folks in the Bay Area, the hottest job market by far is the Bay Area, Silicon Valley area. One lament that you hear from people up there is how hard it is to hold on to talent. It moves around a lot. Um, it was like that pre-recession. It's like that again now, even more so. In San Diego, you tend to see people staying around a lot longer in the jobs that are here, which becomes a bit of a competitive advantage for the Qualcomm's of the world and for the companies that come here and actually grow within the region and keep, can keep that talent close to home. Low turnover rates and other things that factor in um, as important when you compare us to the other metros. So the key, metro, the key metrics for talent. So if I look at this room and I kind of think of you all as talent, is, is why would talent want to be in a region like San Diego or Seattle or Austin or other places compared to the really low-cost places in the United States? And it's mostly because of economic mobility. There's, a, there's bigger clusters of, of metropolitan economic um, sectors in those areas, so it draws more people in. The cost of living is really critical to folks, and this is an odd one in San Diego. It is very expensive to live here, but when you compare us to a lot of the biggest metros in the country and the ones that are the top, seen as the top job markets, we have a competitive advantage over the Bay Area because we're a lot less expensive than the Bay Area. We have a competitive advantage, believe it or not, over Chicago and Washington, D.C. because we're a lot less expensive than those places. We struggle in comparisons with places like the Research Triangle in North Carolina, which has incredibly smart people, an amazing quality of life, and you can still buy a home there for a few hundred thousand dollars. So we know that that's not anything that San Diego can take for, uh, for granted. If you are in the public policy arena and you're having any dialogue in some of the circles that Jen and I have traveled in, you won't go far before you hear somebody talking about the challenges with housing affordability and affordable housing. So that continues to be something that we have to think about. But in comparison to some peer metros, um, San Diego actually factors out quite well. And the live-work culture here is probably the most important thing that we see and hear about coming up more and more, so much so that people like Bill Walton, the NBA legend who lives here in San Diego, has always called San Diego home, thinks that we have to get even more aggressive in getting the world to know about the quality of life in San Diego, the active outdoor lifestyle that's part of San Diego, the sunshine year-round that you have here, the ability to be at the desert and the mountain and the beaches all within a short time frame, and you, you can't do that in other places. You know, There's not many places in the United States where you can do those things. So let me just jump to a couple of other things that I think sort of factor into the discussion, and then I'll wrap up. I don't want to go through all the slides, but San Diego continues to be one of the safest large cities in the United States. That factors in a lot to drawing talent in and keeping families here. And as talent ages and their families grow, the, the schools, the safety of neighborhoods and things of that nature factor in a great deal. And so San Diego does well. Again, beaches, outdoor lifestyle, sunshine, all the things that when you're growing up in Boston for two-thirds of the year, um, you don't necessarily see around you. And this is one that blows people away. And we may get some laughs in the room when you think about this, especially as we leave here and get caught in traffic. But when you compare us to those other peer metros, our commute is actually not that bad. San Diego is so spread out when it comes to job corridors that the overall commute patterns are not bad compared to other places. If you're coming from the Beltway, if you're coming from New York City, if you're coming from San Francisco, LA, and Seattle right now, it is much, much better. Um, we've got highways that are being widened right now. We have new transit that's being built. These are all very positive things. They're slowing us down temporarily, 
but it's going to expand the highways, it's going to expand the high-speed lanes, it's going to bring public transportation up into the UTC, Sorrento Valley areas in a better in a better way, still not a great way compared to some of the major transit metros in the U.S., but better in getting people to and from job centers. And then a couple of last things just to share, that a recent study found that San Diego was cited most often for the potential location for talented, educated people to want to go to. So it's starting to actually get out there as a place that people think about. You know, we don't have the... um, We don't have the constant backdrop in movies and things of that nature that some cities get. I was actually just laughing and joking with some folks about the number of Boston movies that have come out over the past, let's just say, 20 years. I'm from Boston. I'm sick of Boston movies. Uh, Because every time you look up, there's another movie. But it does something to keep like a city in the psyche of people when they're thinking about places to go. The place that's really done it remarkably well is Seattle. So Seattle has been, so Boston has all these gritty dramas, which might actually drive you away from Boston. Seattle has presented itself as this pretty cool backdrop for everything from movies to TV series that have run for a long, long time, and kind of an unmistakable backdrop, too, with this very cool vibe. Austin hasn't done it through movies, but they've used things like South by Southwest and other things to kind of attract talent in and kind of find this offbeat culture in Austin that people um, really gravitate towards it and grow to to really like and seek out when they're looking for different places to go. So I'll wrap up with this. You know, San Diego excels in most of the key factors, and I know we're going to go into a bit of a discussion with Josh and Jen as we kind of transition more into a dialogue with you. But What I would say to anybody who's not sitting in the audience right now with an engineering background or a STEM background or a math degree or any of those things is you don't need that to make it in these particular sectors. So if you think of a company like Illumina, Illumina needs any number of folks who are working in human resources. They need people who are doing legal work for Illumina by the boatload. They need folks who are doing marketing and sales and communications work and B2B work, so they need a communications team. As companies grow and we go up on the Mesa or we go over to Qualcomm and we look at these companies, they do need that scientific talent, but an awful lot of people make themselves employable by getting into the mix with those companies and then finding themselves the ability to go and do legal work at a similar company or to go and do administrative work at a similar company or to go and do communications work for a similar company. So a little bit of the advice that we give folks who are recent graduates or career changers is getting your your foot in the door in the biotech sector, even if you don't have a scientific background, getting your foot in the door in that growing cybersecurity sector is going to lead to an awful lot of opportunities because we see growth in sectors like that that far outpaces the growth of the other sectors in San Diego and actually far outpaces the growth of those sectors in other parts of the country. So there's something to be said for kind of finding your way into those sectors in San Diego and then kind of opening up an opportunity to, to start your own business in those sectors, consult with those sectors, or find yourself employable across many of those sectors. And I will just leave it at that. Um, I can take as we're transitioning, because I think we're going to bring some chairs up here to do a little bit of a dialogue. But as we do that, I'm happy to take any questions that you might have that may have popped into anyone's head already while we're in uh, transition mode. So, Great. If you want to see this full study, oh, I guess we have one question, right? Go right ahead, sir. So New Orleans is fascinating. If you were doing something on, so it wouldn't factor in really well across those metros, but New Orleans and Detroit don't necessarily sound like the two strongest economies in the world right now. But if you looked at where people were investing uh, in opportunities for growth, great universities in and around New Orleans, actually great universities throughout Michigan, but ones that have started to set up camp reasonably close to Detroit, those two cities, because of some of the massive challenges that hit them, are becoming sort of hotbeds for 
entrepreneurs as well as philanthropists and academics to kind of come together and almost see the entire region as an incubator. So there's no mistaking that New Orleans has a vibe that can't be created anywhere else. What they want to do now is try to figure out if they can begin to grow some sectors around the universities down there. And I think if you look out over the next 20 years, in some ways, different kind of city, Philly did this really well too, but they begin to be places that, that when those types of organizations are investing there, you start to see some really interesting patterns emerge. And I would bet you in the next 15 years, New Orleans does some pretty cool things. Thanks so much, Mark. That was great. Um, one of the things that I thought was really interesting was t- talking about even if you're not a scientist or an engineer or a mathematician, um, that there are there's opportunity in those sectors. Talk a little bit more. You were talking about cybersecurity, biotech. What are the ones that you're seeing that are people, companies are growing and the sectors are growing? So we probably have 160,000, 170,000 jobs in what some folks would refer to as our innovation economy, which is not one particular sector, but it's a very diverse base of sectors um, anchored by biotechnology and life sciences being the biggest. But there's, there's actually a lot of growth in clean technology or green technology in San Diego, which is a sector that attracts a lot of interest. There is San Diego is poised to have significant growth, having some already but in a sector that I think people should pay a lot of attention to, which is the nexus of healthcare and information technology. So not biotech, but this is where communication systems in hospitals, healthcare communication systems need to talk differently to each other. This is the wearable technology that a lot of us are are seeing already. It's the treatment of disease um, with technology. So there's an awful lot between what Qualcomm and some tech companies have invested in San Diego, Sharp Healthcare, West Health, and some other groups that are really focused on the other side of the equation. But in addition to that, um, San Diego actually has what we refer to as as the um, sports innovation sector in San Diego. So I'm not sure if folks know this, but uh, Callaway, TaylorMade, all the major golf manufacturers in the world, while they may manufacture in lots of places, if someone is swinging a club on a pro tour, male or female, that club was likely made in Carlsbad. Um, in fact, you could pretty much guarantee it was made in Carlsbad. All the design work's being done up there. But around not just the, the golf industry, as people like Tony Hawk and Sean White and some of the other newer athletes and kind of some of the more extreme sports have begun to develop their own lines. They've wanted to produce and manufacture them here. So you have people making paddle boards, snowboards, all sorts of sports-related equipment here in San Diego. And that tends to get bundled into what Connect, a group called Connect here in San Diego, has focused on as sports innovation. Uh, there is an awful lot of science, science and entrepreneurship behind the growth of craft beer in San Diego. So it's one that um, probably gets more attention than, than uh, other sectors, but it's a very entrepreneurial sector here in San Diego and actually has some of its roots in the scientific sectors here in San Diego. And then, of course, like telecommunications and traditional technology, we don't have near the breadth of the Bay Area and in, in Silicon Valley when it comes to that that sector, but we have an awful lot of new ideas and new technologies emerging that then build and lead to the the building of bigger companies. And you had mentioned cybersecurity. How is San Diego compared to other cities and what's driving sort of that demand? And I think, you know, Josh could touch on this too. So because, so so outside of even that 160 plus thousand jobs that I mentioned, you then have, you have more than that. You probably have 170,000 individuals working um, in the military, uniformed military or Department of Defense workers in, in San Diego. And when you have the largest military installation in the world, which, believe it or not, we are in San Diego, defense contractors tend to set up very closely for a whole host of reasons to that sector. And as those defense contractors have become more 
tech-centric through things like the robotics behind the development of unmanned systems, which you know another uh, way of saying drones and the technology that we've used in battle, but that is now starting to kind of steer towards everything from search and rescue to underwater robotics to helping fight fires and you name it. That's all um, technology that's been developed in San Diego. Cybersecurity in a similar fashion was once something that we thought of focused on the protection of military data, and now it factors into all aspects of our lives, and we have more cybersecurity trained workers coming out of a place like Spay War than almost anywhere else in the country. So while we have the second largest cyber cluster by a long shot, the Beltway is the largest, um, and, and Silicon Valley will probably be second largest soon, we have one of the fastest growing cyber sectors, very much anchored by the connection to the talent that's come out of the military and the defense contractors. Now, Josh, you just today um, released a report called Emerging Careers of 2016, and it sort of looked at the most in-demand jobs with the highest growth potential. How does what you found with your research dovetail with what the EDC is finding with their talent study? Yeah, so uh, when you look at our study, the first thing is that uh, goes along with what Mark was presenting. If you look at jobs in the tech and STEM fields, these have outpaced all other occupations 27 to 1 over the last 15 years. So 27 times the amount of growth in STEM and uh, tech occupations. Um, So while Mark's presentation was a more macro perspective comparing San Diego and and various cities, uh, we we focused more on specific occupations and skill sets. Um, So to do this, we looked at EMSI, which is labor market research data. And we uh, pulled the highest growth projections for jobs across the country. And then we combined this with burning glass data. And this gave us real-time online availability and openings of jobs across the country. And so I'm not going to go through all the jobs now. There is a a hard copy if you're interested in the back. Um, But this was everything from software developers, information security analysts, market researchers. Um, And one other important uh, finding, I thought, was when we looked at these specific occupations and we cross-referenced these with the skill sets in these various occupations, what we found was a number of hybrid skills. And so so what I mean by this is uh, if you take data and analytics or coding and programming, these were uh, skill sets uh, that were necessary and highly valued across multiple occupations in these industries. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, The report looks not only at the macro data, but we interviewed people that are in each of those fields to kind of get like a sense of where it's going. And you did see that, you know, in everything, it was like you have to have some competency in software. You know, it's what Mark Andreessen said, software is eating the world. And so you might be in the medical field, but medical IT is a growth area. Um, You might be a marketer, and the marketer we talked to said, I wish I'd paid attention in stats class. I, you know, pay attention. <laughs> so, I mean, they're, they're, it's, it's a really interesting thing, and it, and it c- kind of gets to the point of where you can't, in this, and I'd like you guys to talk about it, in this economy, you can't just sit still. You can't be like, I've got my degree, I'm done. Talk a little bit about sort of the, the churn and the change that's going on and, and how people in the job market and those looking to make a transition need to be, you know, responsive to that. You know, one thing that the study... Um, addresses in greater detail if you were to read the full talent study that, that we did is the perception actually that in San Diego it's not a good what they would refer to as a second job market meaning let's say for example someone travels here to take a job with Qualcomm 
because it's one of the large companies that they know is here. And then they start to think to themselves, but what if I want to move on from Qualcomm? Where do I go from there? We don't have the sort of consumer-facing brands that a lot of other places have. So people don't immediately say, here's the 10 or 12 other places where I would go. The myth behind that is, is we, have, we have a very entrepreneurial region, and we're very deep in all the different sectors that we mentioned. It's just that not a lot of the companies are ones that are household names. So I think it's, you know, w- one of the things that I would say is, is, is looking at a particular sector and then looking at folks who are doing some research on it and kind of going really deep to find out geographically where is that cluster even within the region? You know, where is it, where is it located? Who are the 10 or 12 biggest employers in that sector? And know that if you find yourself working in one of those places, you're very marked and another. But going to the, the point that Jen made, and this is really something that I think is just forever going forward in the workplace. It's such a significant sea change from when my grandfather was a milk truck driver for his entire career until the day he retired, or my parents were teachers, or at least educators until the day they retired in the Boston public school system, um, that my children, are in, in the, the high school graduates and the college graduates right now, are going to see a lot more jobs than we all have. So there's going to be this constant changing in the economy, a much more entrepreneurial economy, a much more um, entrepreneurial base of workers. And that, to me, is... The, the most important reason for continued lifelong learning opportunities. My wife is, is part of a medical startup right now, and she's a dermatologist. She was a Navy-trained physician who became a dermatologist. But one of the founders with her, I always thought, was, was the software guy. I thought he must have been the software engineer of the group because he's designed the online interface. He's an attorney. He, was, he went to school to become an attorney, but along the way, he had, a, he had a desire to want to do more in software, kind of self-taught, went out, took more courses, and now he's the founder of a growing startup in San Diego as somebody who was trained in the law. So the law comes in handy for him now, but really what he was able to do was learn something new, apply it, and grow his own business. And I'd say um, I'm, I'm biased working at UCSD Extension, but, but I do truly believe in lifelong learning. And going out and speaking with multiple employers for the research reports I do, uh, what I hear over and over again is, we don't care as much about the degree. It's all about technical competence. Show me you know the skills. Show me you can handle this, and that's the person who's going to get the job. And so it doesn't have to be uh, another four-year degree. This can be boot camps. This can be, uh, you know, uh, a MOOC or uh, online training. And so it doesn't have to be this huge, uh, scary process of, well, I'm going to have to get totally retrained another four years. There's so many different opportunities now to get quick technical training. And do you see uh, in industry, are there certain skills right now that employers are like, I, I can't hire for this? And what are they? I'll, I mean, I'll start. <clears throat> There's an awful lot of the technology skills that we talked about, but I'll, I'll say a couple of real basics. We struggle in our organization every day to find people who can write well. And it's, it's you know, I, I hate to say it, but with a younger generation of workers, it's, it's harder to find. It's, it's becoming kind of a lost art form. So, <clears throat> so we're telling people constantly to, to succeed in a world like ours. You're writing grant proposals. You're writing proposals. You're putting in front of businesses constantly. So actually finding writing courses that we get people back into is worth its weight in gold. We hear, you know, regularly all the time coding. You know, coding comes up as sort of this back-end need in a lot of places. Um, I also think that I agree with Josh. I, not only, and, I, and I'm not as biased because I don't work for UCSD Extension, but UCSD Extension and, and the extended 
studies programs that it's created and the executive education programs it's created from a management perspective are outstanding. So oftentimes in these tech sectors, someone's a bench scientist, someone's an engineer, then he or she has a great idea that they could start a business with, but they've never managed anybody. And they've never managed a business before and, and they've never helped a business grow. And that's where I think the courses that are six weeks long, the ones that are these types of boot camps, they come in so handy because later someone's not looking, just as Josh said, um, to necessarily see that you have your MBA, but they're looking to see that you acquired those skills, that you went out to do it, and that you can apply them quickly. And that's becoming more what education, I think, is all about. Yeah, unfortunately, I, I mean, I really don't have much to add to that. Uh, uh, I, we see coding over and over again. Um, and the other one, uh, you know, I'm just going to add on to that is data and analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as Jen was saying, it doesn't matter if you're in marketing. It's not just about, you know, graphic layout, the slogan. I mean, they need to know how to do uh, audience segmentation, demographic analytics. So, you know, even marketing ha- has kind of uh, made a shift towards a more quantitative background necessary. And I think, you know, and I think one thing that we've heard a lot, if, if we had some biotech companies in the room with us, there's a term, a phrase that I heard, and it always sticks with me several years ago when I was doing a real direct project with that sector, was that they would refer to the, the kids coming out of the colleges as not having good hands, was the term they used all the time, which essentially in that sector meant they've never been in a lab. So um, from an analytical perspective and from an you know, academic perspective, very well educated, but not individuals who've actually ever done something hands-on in a laboratory. So again, um, boot camps, extended studies programs. Cal State San Marcos does a phenomenal job with creating programs that get folks with degrees in to actually get that experience. And I think more and more in this environment in San Diego, that those are the types of things that I think can help you get one step ahead of other folks. And well, I know there's been this myth or that's been talked about a lot is that where there's 6,000 6, jobs in software that they just can't fill. And it's been around for a long time in San Diego. Is that true? And what are we seeing in the software world in San Diego? It's true. I think the number is not 6,000, but let's say it's 2,800. That's still a lot of jobs. Mm -hmm. So somewhere around 3,000 jobs sit unfilled right now in software. And the, the weird thing about this is you have software businesses who say we can't find the workers, and then you have folks who are getting software degrees and acquiring software skills who are saying, I can't find the jobs. There's a really interesting for-profit company called Hired. And in fact, we're, going to do a, we're doing a software study on the 29th of this month. So I would say if you want to go to our website and register for that, there'll actually be people coming together to hear um, the, the information that's coming out of that study. But also there'll be folks from the sector speaking about that scene here in San Diego. And there's a group called Hired, which is three tech CEOs who... who we're lamenting about this very problem. Two from the Bay Area, one from San Diego, who said, we don't want to employ everybody, but let's just figure out how we can better connect people with good software skills to job openings in a way that's not you know, crowded and clouded through monster.com and other you know, sites that are out there. And they created something called hired.com. You should check it out if you're in the software space because a lot of software companies are utilizing it now because they feel like those individuals who created it have a much better pulse for what the sector is looking for and where some of the, the gaps have been. Whatever algorithms they've come up with and whatever they're using to be successful, I don't know, but it seems like they're off to a great start. Are there any other sectors where you see that skills gap, where you have... 3,000 demand and not the people to fill them in San Diego. So, I mean, I think, you know, 
again, they tend, they tend to be, it, it's, it's our blessing and our curse. We're better in the STEM fields than a lot of places, but when I tend to hear people saying we have a mismatch, biotech is a funny industry because if we lined up 20 biotech HR directors and they said to you, we all, have, we all have needs right now, we all have to hire someone, they probably have to hire 18 different types of people because while they all need scientific skills, they all need to be well-educated, some of them are more on the manufacturing end, some of them are more on the, the bench science end, some of them are more chemistry-based. So that's where I think you know, it starts to kind of break down discipline by discipline. But you know, I think what, that's why I think people sort of um, gravitate towards the STEM fields being a place where they want folks to emphasize more because they know that there's skills in those disciplines that are important to more businesses in San Diego. But that, that's, that's, that's a more challenging one. The software one's right out there. Mm-hmm. Um, healthcare has some worker shortages that are very easy to define. You know, you know exactly what a nurse or somebody has to be able to do, and we know that they're aging. And if anyone is going into nursing in this room, smart move, because we're going to need a lot more folks who can deliver care in the years ahead. But, the, but those, those types of careers are, are you know, less than they once were as far as being able to define them that specifically. One, one other uh, one I'd mention is advanced manufacturing. Um, and people think Machinery, of, yep. yeah, uh, manufacturing is kind of the old style manufacturing assembly line. Um, but advanced man- manufacturing is actually a very uh, uh, different process now. Lasers and, and all Clean this. Rooms, and, yeah. and, and, and as Mark's mentioning, um, this particular industry uh, is having an aging, uh, aging out of their current workforce. And so over the next five to 10 years, you have all these folks who kind of grew up in manufacturing, transitioned to advanced manufacturing, and none of the young kids, uh, you know, engineers and such, are, are backfilling those positions. And so that's actually going to be a big deal for San Diego. And I would find, overall, I would find healthcare to be a fascinating sector to look at, regardless of if you have a healthcare background or not. It's changing so much, and it's everywhere, <clears throat> and they are largely jobs that can't be outsourced. So while technology can factor in, and it can change the nature of how healthcare is delivered, and it can change the nature of <clears throat> systems that are utilized in hospitals, there, there's everything from the number of people who are going to need care, people are living longer, the changes in technology, the, the kind of cross-sections of technology in healthcare... Even the lobbying end of, of kind of how folks are going to be able to kind of go after funding and support for healthcare, I think there's not going to be an explosion in those jobs, but I think there's going to be a steady drumbeat across the U.S. and places where you have large healthcare institutions who are going to need continued support, not only in the traditional roles like doctors and nurses that we think of, but in a lot of other roles too. Now, we've talked a lot about sort of hard skills. When you look at the workforce, what are the soft skills that you see people are missing or, or that they need to be, to be looking at as they try to either get into a career or make a transition? Writing, writing, writing. Yeah, writing's a yeah. huge one. It really, really is. We hear is. that over and over <clears throat> again. I That's hate. a hard skill, guys. Yeah, no, I know, I know. It's a, well, but you know, it, you're right. And I actually would <laughs> but, say but the, real, the, the reality <laughs> is, the reality I'm is, not yeah, the reality is I hate to call any of them soft skills <laughs> because, you know, the ability to talk with a customer, the ability to lead a team, be part of a team, the ability to learn new things. I may hate to say it, the ability to show up on time and kind of have an idea of what are the elements of being professional that people need to bring into a workforce with them all the time. I will say, and I, and I say this with a great deal of respect for every young person who walks in the door in interviews with us, we tend to interview a lot of younger workers. We, our, our workforce is not 
all younger workers, but we have a base of folks who are probably in their 20-something age range. It almost is a job where it's a second or third job for most young people. And the number of times where, I mean, just someone seems great and then just a critical, you know, error in judgment because they, because what you're realizing is our younger workforce didn't work the way, I'm going to say, how many people in here worked when they were in high school? Just to show of hands. In a room like this, the majority of hands go up. If we were a room full of 23-year-olds, you may be shocked to see that almost no hands go up. Because there was, you know, I started working at 16. I'm sure some of you even started working younger. By the time you were 23, you had seven years of work experience. You had worked for different supervisors. You had had awful experiences. But you learned a lot along the way about what you wanted to do and not do. And now... We have an awful lot of people who are starting to learn that at 23, so it's about 30 you know, by the time they're catching up with that. And I think that's where the soft skills are really lacking is in a generation that hasn't had as much exposure to work as past generations have. So as we wrap up, if there was one bit of advice or one takeaway that you could impart, what would it be in terms of you know, careers, you know, that are in demand or, or setting yourself up to, to be in a good position for a career that, that lasts, if not a lifetime, a good long time. <laughs> I'd recommend reading the Emerging Career Report that just came out. Um, no, I, 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 I do think it's important. Um, a, a lot of times I, I speak with a lot of college students and, and we talk about ROI. So you're investing, right, in college and this is going to be investing in your future and your career. And a lot of them have never quite thought about well, my major is going to determine the types of occupational opportunities I have um, and what are the salary ranges for these types of jobs. And so uh, I, I do think this is uh, an important element to be very cognizant of as you're investing uh, in educational opportunities in your future to be sure that that industry is growing, that there's going to be more jobs in the future. I would say, I mean, I think three things. One is the lifelong learning element, and it's not a commercial for extension or anything. It really is. I just think it's the new normal for all of us um, in the work in the workplace these days. I think every few years, thinking how how marketable are my skills right now, and what's a what's a quick course I can pick up to just make them a little bit more marketable. Two very San Diego centric tips I would give um, is this. If there is a technology or an innovation sector that sounds interesting to you, so let's just say the ones we've said today, cybersecurity or um, sports and active lifestyle or biotechnology, there are industry and trade groups for every one of those sectors in San Diego. And they're actually very active. They're active in getting folks in to sort of learn about, network with each other. And because San Diego, it's a big city. We're the seventh largest city in the United States, but it's still a bit like a small town in the way that you can kind of network and get in to meet people. So I would say if there's a sector that's of interest to you, find the place that people in that sector already self-select to go to. So in, the, in Biocom's the greatest example. I mean, anybody who is thinking of getting involved in biotech in San Diego has to go and learn about Biocom and start to kind of go to some of their events because you'll be amazed at who you meet and see there. And then the last thing I would say um, is that it's networking. This is something that you all know well, and we don't, I don't have to kind of um, spend a lot of time on it, but I can't recall the last time I made a good hire that wasn't somebody who I knew already or somebody who I know and trust told me that that was the person I should hire. So 
we have some folks who've come in through open searches and they've done great, but I think there is, again, in a place like San Diego, as people start new businesses, as you worked in an academic, you know, place with someone and then they go on to kind of start to work for a company, people are always looking for folks who they trust and they know who they can kind of connect with and they can count on. And I think that that's a network that you just always have to keep using. And I think in a place like San Diego, it works even better for you than it does in some other places. All right. Well, thank you so much. Very we cool. really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Thank you.